Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future Technologies, poised to transform our lives for better or worse, are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hi, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast, Almost Here, Round the Corner Technology. And I have uh, Sylvia Davi, uh, head of PR, and um, Roger Nair, uh, engineer at Paxos.com, P-A-X-O-S.com. How are you guys doing? Um, doing good. Great. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. Um, if you would, can you give listeners uh, just an overview of what you guys do and you know uh, how you interact with the blockchain, et cetera? What is it that Paxos does? Sure. Um, so let me start off with my background a little bit. Uh, so my name is uh, Raj Nair. Uh, I have a you know mix of uh, Silicon Valley and Wall Street background. Um, I used to work for Silicon Valley companies like uh, Egan and Veritas, and then moved over to uh, Wall Street uh, to work for BlackRock. Um, so I mean, when I started at BlackRock, BlackRock was a relatively unknown name. Um, but in my ten years, I saw uh, BlackRock become like the largest asset manager in the world and one of the most uh, influential names on Wall Street. Um, so my background is predominantly distributed systems. Um, I, I used to work, I mean, I have worked on distributed systems all my life, uh, so I was really um, naturally interested uh, in blockchain. Uh, I got involved in the blockchain lab at BlackRock and then eventually um, was very fascinated with the technology and decided to move to Paxos to do blockchain full-time. Uh, so I currently head engineering here at Paxos, um, and that's uh, well, um, that's what I'm doing right now. Um, a little bit about us uh, as far as Paxos is concerned. So Paxos is a fintech startup uh, building blockchain-based post-trade solutions for capital markets. Uh, mm-hmm. Our flagship platform is called uh, BankChain, which is our own blockchain platform built ground up uh, for settling trades in capital markets. Um, and one of the features of our uh, technology is that we offer true DVP, which is delivery versus payment on our platform. Um, as in, like, the asset and the cash move together in an atomic transaction. Hmm. So, all right, what kind of financial markets uh, would the bank chain work in? Um, wire transfers or equities? or You know, what's, what are some specifics? Uh, yeah, so we are predominantly handling uh, capital markets. Uh, so what we are actually uh, trying to work on first is uh, a gold settlement platform, um, and that's uh, uh, where... Uh, which where we are actually partnering with uh, Euroclear, which is a you know a CSD a depository in Europe, um, and we are partnering with them uh, to bring our gold solution to a market. That's the first use case we are working on. Uh, Bankchain, our platform is asset agnostic, so we can obviously support uh, different uh, asset classes uh, on top of it. But gold is our first like publicized use case. We are internally looking at other use cases as well, but that's not public news yet. All right, so let's talk about gold. How is gold currently transacted, and how is BankChain or your other, I don't know the name of the initiative, but um, how are you going to change that through your implementation? Yeah, so um, so the, the the funny thing is that, you know, gold is one of the most, uh, or I would say, oldest traded asset, uh, you know, uh, yep. in the in the world. Um, but it's also one of the most um, not very sophisticated uh, use of technology. I mean, most of the trades happen uh, over the counter, on phone. Um, there isn't, like, really uh, any great system to actually keep track of um, 
uh, how um, the trade settle and it's and, and involves a lot of uh, trust and there is a lot of issues around conduct and transparency in the market and so on and so forth. So that's where we actually see a real opportunity for uh, blockchain. Uh, we well first we can obviously deliver DVP, which is delivery versus payment that I alluded to before, um, um, uh, which also gives uh, you know the incumbents accelerated settlement um, uh, because we can actually do uh, near real time settlement uh, on the blockchain. And as I mentioned, because of uh, conduct and transparency issues, it it has been trending towards more of a centralized exchange model. Um, just like everything else, like equities and so on and so forth. But that is expensive, and the incumbents don't like it. But with uh, blockchain technology, we can now have a bilateral solution which maintains the integrity of the marketplace and the existing players. Uh, So this is a real opportunity for the world's oldest asset to become one of the most technologically advanced. Well, what are you seeing? How is uh, gold transacted today? What are the primary one or two mechanisms and you know specifics yeah. on it, and then how is yours going to be different? You know what else yeah, so, will change. So gold today is transacted. I mean, the trading actually happens over the phone, um, and that's not going to change predominantly. It's going to probably remain the same in our model as well. Uh, but what happens after that is there is a lot of manual processes for like the confirmation and the settlement of the trade. Uh, it's a very manual process. A lot of things happen over email and faxes and so on and so forth. Uh, what we are trying to do is bring technology automation on the post-trade space where uh, we can actually make sure um, that um, you know, using our technology, uh, well, first of all, you get more automation, and second of all, uh, because of the promise of the blockchain, you get true DVP, which is uh, we actually um, uh, call when we achieve true DVP on a system, we call it settlement finality, uh, which essentially means that once the transaction is written onto a blockchain uh, and it's cryptographically uh, tamper-proof, uh, at that point, um, you know that settlement is final. Uh, versus today, what happens mm-hmm. is that there is a lot of back and forth, a lot of phone calls, and there is an uh, there is a very old system called um, you know, Orem, which actually does, which is actually managed by a bunch of banks, um, and they actually um, utilize the system, um, and it's actually pretty old, and they use this use this old infrastructure to keep track of uh, how who owns what, how much gold, and so on and so forth. Now, the promise of the blockchain is that you can track uh, who owns what at any point of time, and this actually gives a lot of transparency um, to regulators and so on and so forth. Okay, so you're going to reduce settlement times. You're going to make transactions more irrevocable. Um, yep. And they're going to be transparent because they'll be on the blockchain. When you say blockchain, is it a private blockchain? Is it Bitcoin's blockchain, Ethereum? Which one are you going to anchor to? Yeah, so we are, as I mentioned before, um, we are we are, we are are in the private blockchain space, and we are building our own blockchain, uh, uh, which is Bankchain. It's heavily inspired by the Bitcoin blockchain. Um, um, okay. it's, it's, it's heavily inspired by the Bitcoin blockchain, but it is built ground up, um, and it's called Bankchain. Um, and yeah, that's what we use. Okay. Um, how much of an improvement do you estimate this is going to help with gold in particular? And do you think it's going to increase transaction volume? What do you think it'll do to the market, uh, to gold yeah, price, so- to how it's used, how it's traded, all that stuff? 
Yeah, so look, um, the one thing that I want to be very clear is that we are not trying to disrupt anything in the trading space. It, this is post-trade, right? Um, so what it does uh, bring is a lot of cost savings, um, efficiencies, because as I mentioned, uh, this is a real re-engineering opportunity. I mean, a lot of these systems are really old. Um, they have been around for a long time. They are outdated. Um, in, um, and this also introduces the possibility for new products and services. So for example, you know, today you can't use gold as collateral for other kinds of transactions because it's you know it's not um, it's not possible to do that because it's very uh, you know it's very expensive to move gold around. Uh, but now with um, the, with the effect of the blockchain, because we cannot tokenize uh, gold onto a blockchain, you can now use gold as collateral. So that's actually opens up a whole new slew of uh, products and services that um, you know the financial markets can use. Um, we also, um, I mean, I would also say that there will be a better, um, there, there will be more ease in adoption because of uh, APIs. Um, and, you know, we definitely um, feel that, you know, the evolutionary approach that we are taking where, um, you know, instead of actually trying to dismantle everything, uh, we are trying to take um, an evolutionary approach to uh, trying to work with the incumbents and trying to uh, make their um, uh, lives easier. Um, is something which is an approach that we have taken without actually trying to disrupt everything that is going on. Um, and uh, that actually, that approach has been received very well uh, because uh, people see that they can achieve a lot of efficiencies and cost savings um, uh, uh, using a solution. Very good. So, yeah, what other uh, use cases besides uh, gold trading um, are you hot and heavy on what's coming out soon? Yeah, so um, I would say that we are exploring multiple use cases. Uh, as I mentioned, our um, you know, bank chain is asset agnostic, um, so we definitely have plans um, for um, other asset classes and well, as well. Um, obviously, none of this is none of this is public news. We've been actually uh, looking at a couple of them, and you know, watch out for the space. You will actually uh, we will come out with some announcements pretty soon on uh, what our other use cases are. Can you talk at all about the use cases, or has it got to be completely, uh, you know, hidden? Well, right now it's not public, and that's what I would, I mean, I would keep it that way, uh, hmm. especially because I don't want to, you know, Sylvia is on the call, I don't want to get in trouble. Actually, it's closing something about those things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Um, any other um, use cases you're contemplating that are not yet at the stage where, you know, they have to be uh, kept quiet? Or any other, um, no, I, you know, any look, other. I mean, I would, I, I would say this. Um, we are really focused on capital markets, um, so you would not probably hear some. I mean, um, it's. I mean, I won't say never, never say never, but you probably are not going to see something where we are going to do something in the payment space or any of that stuff. Uh, we're predominantly focused on capital markets, um, and we truly believe that uh, blockchain can actually disrupt um, and bring a, bring a lot of efficiencies and cost savings uh, to our financial markets. Um, and that's what we're going to be focused on predominantly, and so most of the use cases are going to be in that space. Okay, I'm sure you're aware of the T0 initiative by uh, Jonathan Johnson and Patrick Byrne of Overstock.com, you know, to, yeah. to settle equities using blockchain. Uh, is any of the stuff you're going to be doing uh, going to interact with that? Will it be a separate um, use case of it? Are you going to be going into stocks and, you know, other equities like that? Um, so, again, um, <laughs> it's, it's a very interesting question, and I'm uh, completely yeah. aware of what T0 is doing. 
Um, the one thing I would actually say is that um, I think the model that T0 has is predominantly, um, you know, issuing stock itself on the blockchain and then using that. Like our model in general um, is, as I mentioned before, we're not in the trading space. We're predominantly in the post-trade space. So our model predominantly is around, uh, you know, I would say, you know, after the trades are done, then it actually flows into our system. Now, obviously, if you are um, highly successful in what we are trying to do, you know, five years down the line, there will be no such thing as a trade and a settlement. It probably is going to be the same thing. Uh, but um, we don't believe, that's what I said, alluded to before, we are taking an evolutionary approach rather than actually go in and, you know, completely disrupt how um, things are working mm -hmm. today because uh, that is too big of a change uh, to, um, you know, to make at this point. So you're looking at more uh, more back office type activity. Yes, it sounds exactly. Like to, uh, yes. To, Okay, that makes sense. Yep. What kind of um, financial uh, institutions or entities will you work with? I would guess banks. Uh, what about uh, yeah, so, you know, other ones? So yeah, we work predominantly with um, you know um, you know bank uh, dealers, um, um, you know custodians. Um, I would say settlement banks and um, you know buy side firms which is which are basically all the incumbents uh, in the financial market space um, that's where all the volume is and that's what uh, that's who we work with okay um, and i also mentioned general, obviously sorry i just wanted to mention like in the gold use case as i mentioned we obviously are partnering with euroclear which is obviously uh, one of the top depositories um, and I mean, I, I don't know how much you are familiar with the financial markets, but you know, Euroclear is similar to, I would say, DTCC in the U.S. Um, so they are okay. a top uh, CSD um, in Europe. And returning to gold, um, is it worth it for you to even look at silver or other precious metals or other items that are closely akin to gold? Yeah, absolutely, and that's one of those things. I mean, I mean, I'm not gonna put words in my mouth, but um, you know, uh, it's it's a natural progression, as you can imagine. Like, hey, once we are, hopefully, we will find the right product market fit for gold, and uh, we can actually leverage, um, and we can see how we can achieve some of the cost of cost savings and efficiencies that we're talking about, and then uh, reapply that into other commodities. Is something that uh, I would say definitely something that might happen in the long run. Okay, very good. What's your outlook on 2017, not just for your company, but for the whole blockchain and cryptocurrency space? What do you guess are some of the big events that people may see? Yeah, I think the biggest thing um, that I personally feel is... Um, so um, none of there is there are no live private blockchains, right? I mean, I mean we can pretty much say that. I mean, obviously there are a lot of public uh, blockchains, which is the Bitcoin blockchain and Ethereum and Zcash and all that stuff up. But um, I think 2017 is probably going to be the year when you will actually see some of these use cases being flushed out for private blockchains, private permission blockchains. Um, and I think we definitely will see um, at least some um, projects going live this year. And that's uh, that's my like one, I would say, um, you know, that's that's definitely something that I can see uh, happening in the horizon. Um, we ourselves are planning to go live uh, sometime this year with our gold product. So uh, definitely hoping that that's going to happen. Yeah, what's your goal to go live with your uh, gold product? 
Well, we are, we are thinking of actually going live sometime in um, summer uh, of uh, 2017. Obviously, um, that's always plans. <laughs> uh, we'll have to see how our customers accept it and how, uh, uh, whether we find the right product market fit, which we definitely feel like we have the right product market fit, but we still have to uh, work through their feedback and figure out if there are things that we'll have to change and so on and so forth. But we are really, uh, we are very hopeful that, you know, we will be able to um, do um, some um, live um, gold settlements on the blockchain in 2017. Uh, we successfully did a pilot, um, you know, um, in November uh, with a with a bunch of banks. It was obviously um, public news and uh, um, pretty well received uh, by the media and uh, the financial community in general. Um, so. Uh, you know, and we are planning to do another pilot pretty soon, um, which would be the second pilot with uh, with a bit more participants. So we definitely see a lot of interest and uh, uh, a lot of engagement from uh, the participants um, uh, in the space. Great. Um, in terms of your blockchain and its features, you said you modeled it off of Bitcoin. I'm sure you modified it from there. Are you able yeah. to talk about any features that you think are going to make it particularly suited to gold settlements and, you know, to make it fast and make it immutable or any other great features that you really are, are jazzed about that people should know about this blockchain? Yeah, so I think the most important thing is, like, and I've, I've probably alluded to this like three times already, is, is delivery versus payment. Um, so I think, um, you know, if you look at the Bitcoin, it's like a one-way push, right? You pay somebody Bitcoin and that's it. Uh, in, in case of, you know, transactions in the capital markets, uh, you know, you move gold. I mean, somebody's paying somebody's paying you cash, and you get the gold, right? So you're actually modeling both of that in the transaction. Um, and what we uh, we feel is like one of the value add and one of the most interesting things, true uh, value propositions of our platform is that we offered BVP. So uh, which is like you know both the asset, uh, which is like gold in in this case, and the cash. Uh, they move together in an atomic transaction. So you cannot have a case like where one moves and the other one doesn't. So it never is a case that, you know, like, hey, go, let's say Goldman and Morgan Stanley are trading, and, you know, just to um, uh, take some examples here, and Goldman um, uh, is the one who's paying the cash and Morgan Stanley is the one selling the gold, then both of those, uh, you know, assets move together, um, and both those transactions are written together onto a blockchain. So that, I think, is... Uh, is definitely a great uh, value add. Now, in addition to this, uh, we also um, um, definitely leverage some really interesting structures like HD wallets, for example, um, for you know, which is hierarchical deterministic wallets um, for our exotic sub-accounting. Because, um, as you can probably imagine, in capital markets, um, there is um, there are a lot of. I mean, people are buying these for their portfolios and so on and so forth. So you have mm. some exotic uh, accountings that you need to do, um, and that is actually what is different today. Because most of these CSDs actually do it like an omnibus account level, but you can do all those exotic, um, you know, accounting and with multiple levels um, uh, using an HD wallet structure, so that's definitely uh, something that uh, we leverage. Um, and the other thing is, uh, what I, uh, the other thing is privacy-preserving techniques. I mean, like for example, um, you know, um, we leverage coin join transactions. Um, one of the things that 
um, you know, in the capital markets specifically, people are very wary about is privacy, which is like they don't want to uh, be disclosing who the counterparties are uh, to a particular transaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, different privacy-preserving techniques are something that we are uh, obviously looking at, um, uh, the simplest being, you know, coin joint transactions, um, which actually is like creating a pool of transactions so that, you know, uh, you know, you have a pool of people on one side paying a pool of people on the other side without disclosing who the different counterparties are. Um, we are also looking at some of the exotics. I mean, there has been a lot of development in this space. If you, uh, as you know, um, like for example, zero knowledge uh, proofs has been have come out um, with Zcash. But as, I mean, all of those technologies are pretty bleeding edge right now. And other than Zcash, I don't necessarily see an area where it's been used. But I mean, this is an area of active research, and there's going to be more and more technologies. Uh, that are being, um, you know, brought into um, into the space. So def- I can actually see a lot of adoption over the next few years uh, for some of these technologies, uh, especially around privacy and anonymity. Interesting. Um, I know we can't go into everything, but out of these features that you're leveraging, um, which one probably is of most interest to you personally, and can we go a little bit deeper on it for people that don't understand them? Because I don't understand them totally. I know, okay, a hierarchical deterministic wallet, great, but I don't know exactly the mechanics of it. Uh, yeah. Can you pick you know, maybe one feature and let's talk a little bit more about it? Yeah, absolutely. So maybe I can talk about like hierarchical deterministic wallets and how it can be leveraged uh, to uh, do some interesting things. So, for example, like you know, um, let's say I'm an um, asset manager, and you know, uh, and I, I don't know how, if you know this, but an asset manager cannot actually uh, hold its own assets. So, uh, it's it's typically held at a custodian, um, and a custodian holds an asset manager's asset for it. Um, so, an asset manager would hire a custodian to hold their assets. Um, so, like let's say we actually uh, pick one asset manager, and they have a fund one, fund two, fund three and so on and so forth. Um, the interesting thing about using HD wallets is that um, you know, the custodian can actually uh, you know, obviously have create this exotic sub, um, sub-accounting uh, for this asset manager. And by using the extended public key for those funds, uh, they can actually give full transparency to an asset manager as to what is going on on their books and records. That to me is very cool, and that is something which is not even possible today. Like today, a lot of these things reside in central databases, and it is all based on reporting and so on and so forth. But it, this allows you, this kind of mechanism now allows you, like an asset manager can monitor real time what is going on um, in their fund, and they can actually watch all their positions in their fund um, uh, by just having the extended public key uh, for uh, for the HD wallet. So that's actually, I think, uh, pretty pretty interesting. Yeah, that is. Hmm. Okay. Any other features of the HD wallet that uh, are interesting that you know regular folks wouldn't really know about that are yeah, useful? And, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, the other great thing, again, is like I mentioned about this like sub-accounting uh, techniques, and you can actually do a lot of like uh, advanced sub-accounting. Let's say you have a large asset manager or something, again, um, you know, and let's say you have funds in Europe, you have funds in Americas, and you have funds in Asia. So you can model it in such a way that you can actually create those hierarchies we say, hey, these are the Asia funds, these are the American funds, and these are the European funds. And let's say a regulator comes, a regulator comes to you and says, hey, I want to actually see um, or audit um, all the things that you're holding in these accounts. You know, if a European regulator comes out, you can actually give him, give that regulator the extended public key for, 
you know, the European uh, funds without, and they would actually have full access to European ones, but at the same time, they won't be able to see what you're holding in your American um, uh, funds, for example. So it actually allows a lot of exotic, you know, transparency mechanisms, like, or I would say permissioning mechanisms, if you will, um, that you can leverage um, uh, to facilitate some of these things, which before this was like, uh, you know, like if you had a database, for example, you just open up the entire database, <laughs> you know, it, or you had to build some tools on top of it to do some, um, you know, like to hide some of the things from like the European regulator and so on and so forth. But now with the magic of crypto and, um, you know, HD wallets, you can actually, um, you know, uh, permission specific parts of your organization uh, to regulators and other entities. Okay. Very good. Um, maybe one last question or two about privacy. Um, what enhanced privacy features are you going to be building into your blockchain, and you know how do they help um, you know users and veil counterparties? Yeah. So I mean, look, uh, the privacy preserving features. I mean, these are this is an area of active research, and you know this. Um, obviously, we uh, we uh, we um, follow some of the um, I would say. Simple rules first, which is like you know, uh, for example, as I mentioned, like we 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 are heavily inspired by the Bitcoin blockchain. So our model is the UTXO model, um, which is the unspent transaction output model. Um, um, and you know, one thing that you want to be careful in that model is to not reuse addresses. Uh, and we 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 definitely follow that very much to the core to make sure that we never reuse an address. Um, uh, in that model. Uh, the other thing that we also, um, as I mentioned, um, you know, we heavily leverage coin, coin joint transactions. So to explain coin joint transactions to a layman, it's like saying that let's say, you know, five people um, in company A have to pay five people in company B. Um, instead of actually paying each of, I mean, each of them paying uh, each other, what they do is that they just pool all those funds and they pay everybody from in company B from that fund. So it's kind of like right. a pooling right. example so that, you know, that way nobody knows who actually paid anybody. You just know that five people paid five people, but you don't necessarily know right. that, hey, person one paid like person B1 or whatever. So that actually gives you um, a lot of, um, you know, uh, privacy. And these are actually, I would say, uh, simple techniques. Obviously, we are also looking at some other, um, um, you know, interesting uh, crypto techniques like, uh, you might have heard of additive homomorphic encryption, uh, which actually allows you. So one of the things in like uh, you know in a block in the blockchain or in a in the Bitcoin blockchain, for example, you know, is that you can actually see the amounts. I mean, you don't see who is sending who mm. what, but you see the amount. So you know, you can use additive homomorphic encryption, which is a great technique to actually hide the amounts. And the beauty of the technology is that. You know, the and so let's say you're um, let's say you're paying somebody, um, you know, ten. Um, I'm just going to use the ten bitcoins for example, and uh, you have two different UTXOs. One is of value six, and the other is of value of four. Um, and then you combine them and you pay somebody ten. Um, the great thing about homomorphic encryption is that um, you can encrypt the six and the four and add them. And when you actually and you pay the per, uh, pay the ten bitcoins to the other person, and the great thing is that um, the encrypted form and, and the addition in the encrypted form uh, is equivalent to the addition in the decrypted form. So that's actually pretty cool. As in, like yes. you can actually perform addition on the encrypted data, 
uh, and you can still get the result, which is 10 in this case. So that's actually pretty powerful where you sure. actually completely preserve the privacy um, and do that. So those are techniques which are there. Obviously, some of these techniques are fairly slow, um, um, and that's like highly CPU intensive. Uh, now, the good thing is that in a private blockchain, we're not necessarily worried about <laughs> Um, you know, um, you know, hardware uh, problems because you know these are big financial institutions. They can obviously afford, um, you know, buying um, exotic hardware and so on and so forth. So we're definitely looking yeah. at some of these um, uh, techniques uh, to see if we can afford better privacy. Um, and last but not the least, zero knowledge proofs. Um, I mean, Zcash came out um, last year, and uh, everybody is very excited about it because um, that allows you. Um, to uh, do zero knowledge proofs, it's actually pretty awesome because you know it's great for privacy because the prover, the person who is spending, can actually prove that he or she has the funds to spend without disclosing anything else, and the verifier mm. can actually verify that the funds exist without knowing anything else about the transaction. So that's again an exciting um, piece of technology where nothing is disclosed, but you can still prove that hey, you have the funds, and the verifier can actually verify that um, you know those funds exist. So I, yeah, again, this is like really bleeding edge, uh, but um, uh, crypto, but uh, an area, it's a real area of active research. Um, but I, I, I foresee uh, that in the next couple of years, some of these technologies will be much more widely adopted. Well, very good. Roger, Sylvia, thank you so much for you know talking about Paxos and your gold initiative, your settlement initiative, and uh, you know, hinting at the other ones, which must not be named yet, but are coming. And uh, anything else that uh, you want you want to talk about before we go, or I'd like to give people well, a, a chance that are interested to find out more about you. Yeah, I think the one thing that um, you know, obviously, call it blockchain or distributed ledger technology. Um, the one thing I would actually um, say is that, and this is the one thing which has always amazed me about blockchain, and, and people get very excited about it. But all the technologies that have been used in the Bitcoin blockchain have been around for a long time. Um, the beauty of, for example, the Bitcoin blockchain was bringing it all together um, and putting it all together in a package uh, and um, achieving, um, you know, um, uh, achieving basically sending transactions without a trusted uh, party. Um, now, you know, all the firms and all the firms that uh, we are uh, talking to um, in the private blockchain space are essentially leveraging different parts of these, um, you know, different technologies from these bag of technologies that I call the blockchain technology or distributed technology and putting them all together uh, to solve, like, different kinds of problems um, which are there. And sometimes the problems are very different. Like, for example, in capital markets, we are, our problems are around um, a lot of, like, volume and scale and so on and so forth um, versus, like, in the Bitcoin blockchain world, for example, you can you achieve three transactions per second, but at the same time, you have parties which are completely trustless. You don't know anybody, uh, and there are different kinds of problems that you're solving. So you need to pick and choose different uh, pieces of technology. But the one thing I would actually say is that this is real. This there is a real opportunity in the blockchain space to re-engineer um, outdated systems, which have been around for a long time. Um, a lot of these um, have been post-trade settlement systems have been around for um you know i don't know 30 years um just to just to give you an example you know uh, most of the front end front office technology is so advanced when you actually uh, trade ibm um you know the trade happens within nanoseconds um but to settle that trade as in to move the asset it takes 3 days um and that's a lot of waste yeah, uh, i mean 
yeah it's t plus 3 it um, it's 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 a it's that's a lot of waste and you know waste is anything that actually doesn't add any value to the end customer um, and i think there is a real opportunity here uh, to reduce that um settlement cycle and unlock um, all of that capital which is tied in okay, well very good yeah sounds like uh, you know the ambitions are great and the ideas and they're coming together and uh, you know i appreciate it um What's the best way for listeners to engage with Paxos, learn more about it? You know. Well, yeah, so definitely follow our blogs. Um, I think uh, we definitely um, have a, a business blog, and we also have an engineering blog that we recently um, launched. Um, so we definitely talk about um, a lot of the things that we are doing. I uh, want to talk about some of these um, technologies that we, ta- that we talked about uh, in this discussion. Um, um, we, are, um, you know, we definitely believe in open source and sharing um, more about our, our technology so that uh, you know, we can obviously get feedback from other people and so on and so forth. So uh, I would say uh, definitely watch the space for um, you know, more materials on that. Okay. Well, Roger, Zovia, thank you so much for taking the time to do the interview. I appreciate it. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.